which top recruits will follow Isaac Wilson to Utah, and how does playing in Utah's high altitude affect teams that are used to playing at sea level? Those and more of your questions answered on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is JT Wizardstow, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time tuning into our program, we thank you for joining us for this show. And if you are new, like, subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments. You can follow me on social media at JT Wizardstow at Utes, or hit us up on the show's Twitter at Lockdown Utes. And today's episode, we're just taking your questions and answering them all day long on our show. We'll get to the comments you guys send in via Twitter and YouTube. But first, I want to basically kill two birds with one stone because I feel like two of you guys asked a very similar question that I can answer in one. And that question was asked for us by first Utah Football Stats and Analysis, who said, what's missing slash expected to come next week from the 2024 class? And then Wrigleyville Ute asked who else is committing now that Isaac Wilson has. And he also asked about a two-parter and I'm going to, we'll, we'll focus on that in a second, but I wanted to focus on the who else is kind of committing that he asked about. And then with Utah football stats and analysis, what they asked, which is who else is expected to come from the 2024 class. And look, the truth is with this stuff, we never know. Right. I mean, at this time last year, I, I would have bet good money that Spencer Fano is not going to end up with Utah, right? I mean, just look at the situation, how it played out. There's a guy with a Clemson and Oregon and a Michigan offer. At the time, it just didn't really seem like Utah was going to be able to land a guy like Fano. And then late, he's able to come over and in. Smith Snowden comes over. So this stuff can always fluctuate and change, right? But I think for just off the bat, like who are the guys I feel, if I personally, like right now, like I would feel the best about being Utes. This is going to sound a little crazy, but it's Isaac Wilson's teammates. And look, Cash Dillon, I think is a more realistic one, but Isaiah Garcia would be a huge get for this team. Garcia, the top ranked player in the state right now, is just an elite offensive lineman overall. When you talk about Garcia, you're talking about a guy 6'5", 280. He's the number 14th overall offensive tackle according to 24 Garcia Garcia is a mauler, a mover of people, like just everything you want to tackle. I mean, just an absolute beast. Great blindside protector, I think, could play maybe not in his first year, but in his second year. That's kind of what I expect Spencer Fano to how, how to play out for him. He won't play in his first, this year with Utah, but I think in, in the second and third years, you're going to see a lot of Spencer Fano. I think Garcia would be the same thing because it just does take offensive linemen a little bit to kind of get to that physical uh, playing strength and standpoint. So a huge fan of Garcia's game. And then Cash Dillon off the edge, the corner cannon edge rusher, really fluid athlete overall, good change of direction, and just a guy who's super talented. I mean, an exceptional pass rusher, uses his hands well, really good athleticism, tools, and traits. So he can do a lot of things too. And why do I feel like those two guys would be the most likely to come to the team? Well, it's because of something that Wilson said in his piece in 24-7 sports. And that's where he talked about how he just felt like that the coaches have been telling him, this is a direct quote from that piece in 24-7, the coaches have been telling me that getting a QB like me is big and everything else recruiting-wise will begin to roll. I'm recruiting more athletes and players that want to play here. That just excites me. I'm recruiting, once again, I'm recruiting more athletes and more players that want to play here. 
who are the guys most likely that Wilson is going to recruit? Yeah, really talented players that he's going to hit up on social media. How about guys he's going to share a locker room with? I think that would be the most likely, right? So I think that Garcia and Dylan are the most likely guys when you're talking about major four-star recruits that are going to end up coming to Utah. I feel very good in saying that Dylan will, him and Wilson have been teammates for a couple of years now. Look, Garcia just transferred in from Cypress to Salt to going to Corner Canyon. And I think that I just I do think Garcia is going to end up at Utah. I really do. I think the pull of Isaac Wilson is going to be a big thing now where it's going to lead to him ending up there. And I do think the same thing with Dylan. So I think think I think Utah is going to become Corner Canyon, Utah, basically like at the college level, because you're going to see all these guys coming over and playing for Utah, the three best players on the Chargers this season. And in my opinion, it's the three most important position in football, right? Quarterback, you got Wilson, offensive line to protect the quarterback, Garcia, you need the pass rusher to get after opposing quarterbacks in Dylan. So already got Wilson. They could get the two other guys in Garcia and Dylan from the Chargers. I, I think those would be monumental, just absolutely huge gets. Those would be the guys I look at to, as I mentioned, answer you guys' questions like, who are we expecting to come next and who else is committing now that Isaac has? Those would be the two guys I feel the strongest about. His teammates, they're, if they experience the success they should, which they have a great chance and would probably be my favorite right now to win the 2023 high school football state championship. And they would do that in Rice-Eccles Stadium. They want to continue to play together and do those kind of special things. I just feel like Wilson is going to end up guiding and kind of being the pulling factor that's like, hey, come on, guys. He's going to be telling them constantly, this is a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun this regular season. They should lose one, maybe two games because they have tough. They play in a tough region, right? So maybe they could lose one or two. And they, I think they play Bishop, Bishop Gorman this year too. So some very tough games that they have. But I, I just feel like they're going to win a lot of games, going to have a lot of fun together. They're going to want to keep it rolling and stay in the state that they've grown up in recently, and that's Salt Lake. So I really do see Garcia and Dylan both coming to Utah, and I think Wilson's recruitment of them is going to be a huge reason why. Now, sticking with this, um, one of the things that was also asked by Utah Football Stats Analysis is he says, what's missing from the 2024 class? Well, if we look at the 2024 class and what Utah has so far, they have three defensive linemen, a linebacker, a safety, and then they just brought in Wilson. Still some very important positions missing from that list. In fact, the biggest ones to me for what's missing, you're missing the elite cornerback, offensive linemen, and more receivers. We just covered offensive line a little bit, right, with me talking about what a big addition Garcia would be. And I think if you had Dylan, that's another dynamic defensive lineman too, just as more of an edge rusher guy. So, But for the other offensive linemen, I will throw out there as a guy I talked about earlier this week, and that's Manase ITT, the offensive lineman out of California. Just look, he's crystal ball to Florida State right now, according to 24-7, who – as I talked about, is usually pretty on the money with a lot of the stuff, but also things can change. At this point last year, Fano would not have been crystal ball to Utah, like I said. So when you talk about ITT, 6'5", 290, a really raw, extremely athletic tackle that I think his ceiling is to be a guy in the NFL. So I'm a huge fan of ITT and would love if Utah could get him. Some of the other guys I think Utah should be looking at is Chris Johnson, the cornerback out of Texas that I discussed. Not the University of Texas, but out of goes to high school out in Texas. I believe it's Alito is the high school. Um, just really like his length and athleticism. I think he's got the makings of a shutdown corner on the outside. Some of the pass catchers, Roger Saliapaga is a guy out of Orm High School. He's a Utah guy that look, Utah's offered. Saliapaga has a ton of offers. He is an unbelievably talented pass catcher who could play tight end or just receiver on the outside to me at the next level. He can make either adjustment. He's that special a player. The adjustments he makes on the ball, just a phenomenal athlete. And speaking of phenomenal athletes, Davis Andrews, the tight end out of American Fork, would be another guy I think would be a really good get for this team. So that's another one I'm monitoring to kind of see and as a pass catcher. And the last guy I'll throw in there is David Washington. He's a guy who has a number of Pac-12 schools after him right now. He is a, just a receiver that I think would be a really nice get for this program overall that definitely needs more help on the outside. He is 
six foot one eighty five overall, the forty seventh ranked receiver overall coming out of Las Vegas. And once again, those rankings all according to twenty four seven Sports. So for me, I I really think that what they need a little bit more of is to add another get a corner in this class, more offensive line, more receivers. And these aren't needs that you're going to fill. Like we're going to see these players on the field twenty twenty four. These are long term needs. I'm looking at like when I'm building a recruiting class, what do I want? I like elite, an elite player at every position pretty much. That's, that's the dream scenario, right? Because you know that what they're going to come in and bring is as you get one elite player in each class, basically, when you get those guys for three to four years, that makes up a pretty special position group. So that's for those are the positions I would be looking at for Utah football overall. And uh, before we jump off to our next question, Wrigleyville Ute asked, he said, um, what um, Rajay committing means to the hoops program. And I'm being positive here as we appreciate when we're always talking about the hoops program and, Look, I'm obviously not coming off. Look, a really good regular season overall when you're just talking about like before the month of February, right? Like the upset Arizona, even January was awesome. And then February just let such a bad taste in our mouths. I mean, this is a team that for most of Pac-12 play was what ranked third or fourth and then obviously fell down to seventh because the injuries piled up and they didn't have the depth in that position. So that's where we are trying to be optimistic about what's to come. Right. And I do think there is some reason for optimism, especially because there's a lot of transfer news and rumors going on out there. We'll be talking about that a lot more on next week's locked on use the basketball program. But as for what I omidi bam Isili, and I apologize if I mis- mispronounced his game, but Basili is the guy that they just landed really big yet um, coming out or recruit out of high school. Um, and he's, this is a guy who, for what will he bring to the team? He's going to bring athleticism. He runs the floor really well, a long rangy defender. He's six, seven. He finishes decently well around the rim at times. He's you could dunk eye flyer. He's got decent hands. He, he's just a little raw still. I think he just needs to get a little bit more feel for the game. He, he's not a shooter right now. So that's something where if he's only six, seven. He's not a true center. You need to be able to shoot the ball at this level or have someone who can. And maybe there's like, oh, maybe he could play next to Brandon Carlson if Carlson comes back this season because we just don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, maybe I'll say that, but I just, yeah, I, I think Basili is more of a long term project. I will say I really like the potential and what he brings. I just don't think he's ready quite re- yet just to play with this at the speed of the game that's played at in the Pac 12 level. I would love to be proved wrong. And, he, and he's out there right away making plays in his first season, but that's just not how, how I see it with a guy who is as raw as him at this moment. So really like to get a Basili, especially for a walk on spot, but I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. He, he is a guy who's played some high level high school ball. I can't, I'm, can't believe the name of the high school that he played for it's a prep school um is escaping me right now but it, it was a talented one for sure so that's why i just think like i said it's going to just going to take a little bit of time overall for basili but i i do definitely think he can contribute to to this team and program in the long run because i i just feel like he's got the, all the tools and the traits that just needs time to be developed by coach smith and his staff and then he's going to be good to compete and ready to go and Montverde Academy that's exactly what I was thinking of so that's where he went played against some really good high school competition so I am excited to see um, what Basili will bring eventually but I'm not expecting a lot early on because as I said he has a project we're going to continue to take your questions and when we come back we're talking about how sea level kind of has an effect on the teams that play at sea level how they do when they come out and play in a place like utah and higher altitude situations that's coming up in one moment but first gotta talk to you guys a little bit more about our friends at bird dogs 
Guys, when you're talking about bird dogs, you're just talking about something that feels really comfortable and is versatile. You can just wear it to whatever. I look and feel great wearing bird dogs. This stretchy fabric makes my legs look great, and they're comfier than my other shorts and pants. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts and pants on the golf course to a meeting, a date, or hanging out with friends. I recently got my bird dogs, and I wear them everywhere, whether it's going to see a movie, going out with friends just to hang out and chill. They're super comfortable. The fabric is great. And as I said, my legs really do look great. Bert Krischer who's wait, just got his new movie releasing this week. I'm sure he'll be rocking some bird dogs on the premiere because he loves waking up at his lake house wearing bird dogs. He goes for a swim, smokes a cigar, grills a burger, and chills with his family all in the shorts he appreciates with the summer bird dogs. College football nerds say they're the perfect pants for dads and they have a little extra gut. Bird dogs make them look great when they feel comfortable. Even the part of my take host PFT famously never wears pants. And the only shorts he truly loves are bird dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter pro code and you, when you enter promo code locked on college, that's all caps, no spaces locked on college. They'll throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. So make sure you guys head over to birddogs.com slash locked on college and use that promo code locked on college, all caps to get in on that great offer from our friends at, bird dogs all righty keeping our q a going this is our first youtube submitted question and it comes from goat girl i know it's kind of a joke on twitter but i actually want to know how do sea level teams perform at our altitude can we expect our thin air to affect the gators or is this the dumbest thing as saying we just couldn't play in the swamp now, just to answer the question, first of all, like, is it as dumb a thing in the swamp? I don't think it's dumb at all because I think it will be a thing this Florida team has to train for and deal with. Just like, look, Utah training and preparing for how hot it was going to be and how humid it was going to be in Florida was a real thing in the sense of the team was trying to prepare for it. If you guys remember back to last year, Kyle Whittingham talked about they were kind of practicing in the indoor, trying to turn up the heat, and just do different things they could do to try and simulate what it's like. Because whenever you're playing in a new element or, or a new um, – not element, but a new climate is the word I'm looking for. We're playing, we're playing a new climate. It's going to be adjustments. I still remember the first time I moved out to Utah, it, it was an adjustment for me. I would go on walks and things like that and be like, man, this is like, I used to be able to walk farther when I lived in Texas, which the evolution difference between Texas and Utah is, is staggering. So that's where it, it is definitely a difference. And just those different climates, it, it affects guys in different ways like that. And the Utah defense had, I would still say their worst performance against that Florida team last year. I mean, look, I know Caleb Williams gashed him too. That, that's Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner. And I know Anthony Richardson was just picked fourth overall, but like, man, the rest of that Florida's Gator, Gators offense was nowhere else to be found. I look at Jordan Addison going in the first round of this year's draft, and we know Williams will go next year. And just so much of that was so many missed tackles and missed mistakes and assignments. I think some of that was first game stuff and other parts of that too, was just playing in that human environment. I do think it affected this defense just like, Playing at sea, playing at this high in altitude is going to affect, and this high of an elevation is going to affect this Florida team when they come out here. But answering the question specifically, like how do sea levels per teams perform at Utah's altitude? Well, I was just in general, I think it's more important to look at rather than strictly performance, which I will touch on in a second. I looked at a couple of the teams when they come out here, how they will do, which unfortunately isn't a ton because we know Utah usually plays other Pac-12 schools, obviously, and then some of the other teams that come out are kind of those lesser opponents that you don't see Utah schedule big non-conference games. That's what at home, that's what makes this one with Florida 
so much fun. But I do think there was an interesting thing I found just in general about how the body performs in altitude and kind of the adjustment it makes. And I found it from Amanda Brooks on her run to finish site. And it just talks about how running at high altitude decreases the amount of oxygen getting to the muscles. And there's an increased risk of dehydration. And obviously, what are you when you're dehydrated? You're tired. You don't work as well. You cramp up a lot quicker too. And in other words, like the oxygen levels, and this is a quote from Amanda Brooks's website, the oxygen levels at the altitude decrease the farther you go up making it harder to breathe. Altitude adaption is what increases red cell volume and thus should increase our body's ability to run faster. So when you are, it just takes time to get acclimated to being up here. You get to strengthen those muscles and just those kind of those red, uh, you're able to strengthen those red cell volume. Like that's something that gets stronger the longer you're up here. I mentioned when I first got out here, it was hard for me. I recently had a friend come out and visit and uh, we were doing the enzyme hike. I'm sure all you guys, a bunch of you have done that before, right? And uh, we did the first part of the hike where you go up to the statue. And there's another part of that hike in the back where you can go even higher. And I said to my friend who is from Minnesota, so a lot different of an elevation, right? I said like, oh, we should go do that side of the hike too. And he said to me, I just, I can't do that right now. Like I'm not, he said to me, I'm not feeling good. But because it's the elevate, it's the elevation, like uh, the ele elevated altitude. What? Excuse me, man. <laughs> but either way, just because of the high altitude, like he wasn't feeling good. That's the adjustment and what it takes time to get acclimated to. And I know a lot of you've grown up here, but it, it is definitely a lot different out here. That's why um, you see a lot of the best runners. I know Northern Arizona. Um, is a school where they've won like almost every cross country national championship for the past few years because they run at a very high elevation and it helps them. That's why we see a lot of uh, just in general, high altitude places have very good track and field teams because they're better acclimated for the weather and just the climate. Like they're able to perform better when they go to those other locations, unless there's something like a crazy heat they have to deal with. So it always takes just the human body in general, just, it takes some time to adjust to those new climates. And I said too, I was going to bring up some other examples, right? So for example, Florida is about a hundred feet above sea level. Salt Lake is 4,260 feet above it. Look at somewhere like California, even right when we talk about sea level, like they're 2,900 feet above. And we saw Utah hung 43 points on them. And in Rice Eccles stadium, like, we saw Utah when the, when USC came out here, how much that Utah offense was able to gas the USC defense. And no, the USC defense wasn't great, but they didn't give up that many points very often, especially they didn't really have that happen again to them until late in the season. And did they play a few couple of better teams late in the season? Yeah, but that's also when injuries piled up to like, I do feel like that USC defense was affected in part by the altitude. It's something we see time, time again. Remember when UCLA came out here in 2019 and DTR and the Bruins were kind of rolling a little bit? And the Utes just blitz them like that. That was a huge thing, too. I just feel like teams don't perform as well out here. Let's look back to Michigan. And you may be thinking, Michigan, when was Michigan out here? Well, Michigan came out here in Harbaugh's first game back in 2014. And Utah won 26 to 10. And it was a Utah game that season, excuse me, that went ended up going nine and four on the season. So still a very good Utah team. But you look at some of their losses they have. Not the program level they are now. And I know it was Harbaugh's first year with Michigan, but that is something where, once again, the altitude, I think it had an effect on it. Guys just get tired out here easier. The dehydration is real. Guys cramp up a lot more out here because they're tired, because it's just higher. The higher up and the altitude-wise you go, like it talked about, it decreases the amount of oxygen you're getting to your muscles. So there's where the dehydration, the cramping, all that comes in. You get tired. You see guys asking for subs more frequently. I mean, even switching like the NBA. Like I just feel like that's part of the reason we see guys – it, when they come, some teams come to Utah, right? Like it's, we see teams like the Clippers will sit guys out or different things like that happen where teams just don't care as much because I think they know how hard it is to play in Utah. And when you're playing in an 82 game regular season, you're okay taking that night off. Cause you know, it's going to be a grind to try and beat a team. Who's just naturally from that, 
from that advantage point. So it, it is definitely a factor. It's a real thing. I expect Florida to struggle with it. I think some of their guys are going to get dehydrated because of the climate and everything. And just, as I mentioned, just the adjustment it takes Well, when you're higher up like that, it's just a different kind of dehydration than a heat dehydration. It's just your muscles getting tired because as we said, the higher the altitude it decreases the amount of oxygen and ask if you guys have friends or anyone who come to visit from out of States, they'll deal with the same thing. You guys will do better with the, cl- with the climate and the ev- evolution than they will just because that's how our human bodies work. So I thought that was very interesting. And I did think that was a great question by a good girl. So thank you for asking that. And we're definitely going to have, we're going to have a lot. I want to have more people on to talk about that. We'll have Brandon Olson of locked on Gators to talk about just how kind of that high altitude is going to affect Florida. Cause I do think it's something very interesting to talk about for game one, especially because as you highlighted, we had that whole thing where how the heat was going to affect Utah football. So keeping our Q and a rolling MK Waterford asked, um, how does Dijon Stanley fit into Utah's offense his freshman year. So just answering the question, first of all, I think Stanley's extremely talented and I'm excited to see what he can become. I don't see him involved much in this offense his very first season. Look, this is a guy who's ranked the three spar by 24-7, the 24th athlete in the country and the number 34 player in California. So a very talented player, but he's six foot 170. To me, to play running back at the Pac-12 level, you got to get bigger and stronger. And also, he's coming into a running back room that is absolutely loaded. Jaquindon Jackson, Makai Bernard, Jalen Glover, and Chris Curry are all guaranteed to be ahead of him. And that's without some of the other guys who've been in the program a few more years, some of the other talented backs in the freshman class. So I'm a huge fan of Stanley's. I think even as soon as next year when we see, like for sure, Bernard, Jaquindon, I think, has a chance to be gone after this season, depending on the type of year he has. So we could see Jaquindon leave. We'll see Makai leave. We'll definitely see Chris Curry leave, too. It's a lot of carries available. I think Stanley could be in the mix next season, but I just think he needs to get stronger, um, learn, play the position a little bit more, like in terms of at the college level and make that adjustment. It's just hard to get the carries your freshman year. Even, J- even Jalen Glover, who I thought had a very good season, was kind of phased out later on because of the just how good Jaquindon and Makai were when Jalen was still kind of growing in his first year and just seeing things um, a little bit better because it just takes time with the vision and everything that goes into that. So Stanley, an extremely talented running back, but I do think it's going to take him a little bit of time. So I don't expect to see a lot of him on offense, if at all, unless it's a blowout type of a game. We could maybe see him on special teams, but I don't think they're going to burn his red shirt because long-term, I do think he has the speed, athleticism, the tools to be a special player. It just won't come right away. So that's something that will be interesting to monitor and watch for. Our last Q&A question comes from Caden Christensen. How do you think that Isaac Wilson is going to be? We've seen how his brother is on the Jets. Yes, Zach Wilson is not a good NFL quarterback right now, right? There's a reason they just got Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson, his last year in college, though, was a very good quarterback. And I know this is locked on you. You guys see all the Utah gear in the background. I know I'm supposed to hate BYU with everything and only want them to suck. And everything there is negative and awful as the all the kind of the social media and the stuff that gets brought up when it's Utah versus BYU, right? The truth is Zach Wilson was very good at BYU his final season. Let's look at what he did in his junior year. In 12 games, he completed... 300 or he completed 247 passes, 336 attempts, 73%. That is very good. Threw for 3,692 yards, also very good, 11 yards a pass, and had 33 touchdowns to just three interceptions, 196, the QB uh, rating in that one. So, yeah, I mean, that's those are incredible numbers. Wilson, his final year is very good. There's a reason he was the second overall pick. He had a very good college career overall, and especially that that last year there too. So that's where I think it's not like, well, his brother's struggling at the NFL level, so that means Isaac is going to struggle at the college level. The jump to NFL in college is massive. 
that's a reason we've seen like Trent Richardson. Remember how high of a pick he was to coming out of Alabama? Like, and, and he didn't work in the NFL because it's a huge jump in competition. Things change. All of that happens. So it's a totally different league. And once again, Zach was very good at BYU his, his junior year. So if Isaac can get up to that level, that is, if you can, if Isaac Wilson is year where he throws 33 touchdown passes with just three interception, and that's not even including some of the rushing stats too, like that's incredible numbers. So I absolutely hope he turns into, I obviously hope he turns into something even better than his brother. Cause I want him to reach as high of a ceiling as he can get. But even if he's just has stats comparable to his brother, I mean, that's great for this Utah football team. So I'm excited. And yeah, I don't get nervous because his brother is struggling in the NFL. It's really hard to succeed in the NFL. That's why we see so few guys able to do it. I mean, 32 teams seems like a lot, but think about how many college teams there are. And then it kind of whittles that list down really quickly. Right. So that's just something to keep in mind there. So I'm for one, I'm really excited to see what Isaac is going to bring to this team and just bringing this conversation. So full circle, I'm excited to see some of the players and the recruits that come to Utah because they want to team up with Isaac Wilson eventually, who I do think will be this team's starting quarterback. If not in 2024, probably as soon as 2025, some of you will be like, no way, but I, I really think he could be the starter that soon. So be something interesting to watch though. Um, and once again, thank you guys so much for submitting those Q and a questions before we get out of here. I do want to shout out Utah softball really quick. They will be in action tonight. By the time you listen to this, as they host San Diego state in the NCA super regionals, they had a great weekend last week, hosting the regular regionals that they bested Southern Illinois, 11 to nine and beat Ole Miss in back-to-back games, 7-1 to and 4-1. to And now in the Super Regional Series, they have set. They're going to take on San Diego State on Friday and Saturday. And then depending on how those two games go, if San Diego State were to win the first two or if Utah were to win the first two, there would be no Game 3. But if one of them did split it, then there would be they, they did have a split, then there would be that game three, the winner take all style and a little bit of information on San Diego state. Overall, they won the Los Angeles regional to secure their first ever trip to the super regionals. The Aztecs permitted only three runs total in their three regional matchups, recording back-to-back shutouts to state tournament before a six, three cruncher over Liberty. Also, you guys can learn more about everything on the Utah athletics website. That's where I'm currently pulling this stuff off and reading. And even just talking about the Aztecs, as I mentioned, they use three pitchers and all of them, whom threw up zeros in their opener. Um, it was a very strong performance overall by the Aztecs in those in the wins over Liberty and just in general in those in the Los Angeles regional to secure their op, their spot here. And it's just awesome that Utah gets to host. I think Utah's got a great chance to beat San Diego State, and I do believe they will be in the Women's College World Series. And it's going to be fun to talk about that and break that down on next week's Locked On News. So if you guys don't have anything going on. Friday, Saturday, or, or and potentially Sunday, make sure you guys head over to Dumb Key Family Softball Stadium and support the Utes who are going for an opportunity to the June to the geez, to the College World Series, which would just be absolutely incredible if they're in the Women's College World Series. That's something, and it's hosted in Oklahoma too. So, just incredible stuff. The Utes have a great opportunity to do it. It was already a great week to be a Ute because Isaac Wilson committed. We could get even better with Utah softball heading to their to the College World Series for women's for softball geez that we're yes getting a little tongue twisted here so <laughs> that's going to do it for me on locked on dudes i greatly appreciate all of you who listen to me each and every week we'll be back next week talking more recruiting stuff football and utah softball we'll see you then but until then have a great weekend